0: Well, let's pray, and many of you guys are like, I really like church this week. You did not ask for any tithe, offering, or money. Well, the fact of the matter is this. Um, We're going to talk about it, and then you're going to get so emotional that you're just going to empty all your pocketbooks at the end. So we're going to take the offering at the end today, mainly because I forgot. So (laughs) I had on my notes, I had everything. And then um, Macy, God bless her, she said, so are we not taking money today? And it's, thanks. she doesn't say it like that. That's just the way I heard it. <laughs> listen, listen, not to her words, but her heart, right? Your heart was really pure. <laughs> Thank you. No, so I'll probably forget at the end of service, so just remind me, okay? Let's pray. Father. Thank you for your sweet presence this morning. We ask for more of it here at the church and within our community, that you would continue to increase the light that you bring, the love and your blood will just pour over our houses, our communities. Father, I ask that you give us eyes to see today, ears to hear, minds to comprehend. Father, feet that just want to run with obedience. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right. So, we get to talk a hard topic today because we're, we're continuing in our series, Mechanicsburg, or MCF 2030. So where do we want to be in 30 years or, you know, 11 years as a church We'll just call it 10 because it's easier. So in 2030, where do we want to see this place as a church? We want to see this place that's transformed, that the gospel doesn't just um, become about me, but the gospel and the blood of Jesus comes in my life so much that then it transforms me in such a way that I go out into the world and love on other people. We want to see a congregation here that, that's, that's honoring one another, not only as um, honoring peers, honoring leaders, honoring God's presence. We want to be a church that's sole focus is Jesus Christ and Him crucified and resurrected for the atonement of our sins. We want to be single-minded in that. So now today... We want to talk about what it means to be generous. And that's tough. Generosity is tough. And I promise you this, and you're, going to, you're actually going to learn this um, probably in about 15 minutes once I get to that point. I'm not trying to get into your pockets today. I promise you. I'm actually probably going to give you something that says I can take a breath. And um, we'll see how you guys feel about it. But... Um, There's always this question, how much should I tithe? How much should I give? What's the difference between tithe and offering? Do I bring the tithe or do I offer the tithe? What what all is it? I only gave 1% of my tithe or can I give my tithe to other organizations other than the local church? There's all these questions And then it gets really weird because you have these questions. And certainly if you're within a financial crunch, then the basket crosses. And then you say to yourself, hmm, that got weird. I just gave away my kids' lunch today. And then there's the preachers that like to say, if you... Just the prosperity gospel, you know, that's all I need to say. You know, there's the prosperity gospel... And we trust God here at MCF that basically, um, as this is his church, he's going to make a way. If he provides for the birds and the bees and and the fish and the seas, and and he provides Chipotle for me, he's going to provide for this church, isn't he? He will. If we're preaching Jesus Christ crucified and resurrected, that he is the one true way to heaven, and that he loves everyone, I believe that Jesus will sustain this church. So we're not here to get in your pockets, but we do want to see generous people here in 2030. And I just want to get to the benediction right now because that's awesome. But um, tithe is what? Tithe basically means one-tenth, right? A tenth of your money. In the Old Testament, um, God commanded his people to give their tithe. The tithe was a requirement of the law in which all Israelites were going to give 10% of everything they earned. And then they would, um, you know, give it to the the local church, I guess. The tabernacle, the uh, temple. In the Old Testament, people, though, would actually bring more than 10%. Do you realize that? So much of the church today, you're saying, wait a second, you said more than 10%. I'm not even giving 10%, and you said that you're trying to take the pressure off of me today. Much of the church today bases the idea of 10% off of the Old Testament, right? So if you look through the New Testament scriptures, where would we see that the Bible ever says... Now look, don't hear, I want to be careful here, don't hear that I'm saying the Old Testament is the Old Testament, so it doesn't matter to us. I am not saying that. Don't hear what I'm not saying. The Old Testament is relevant, and the Old Testament matters today and forever because God's word is the same today, yesterday, and forever. Don't hear that. But we do want to compare and contrast the difference between Old Testament and New Testament, and then this belief that Christians are supposed to give 10%. So... The 10% came from the Old Testament scriptures. But actually, you know there was more than one tithe in the Old Testament? Are you guys familiar with that? There was more than one. So then if there was more than one tithe, that means it's probably more than just 10%. So there were actually three different tithes in the Old Testament. And the first one was the Levitical tithe, or the sacred tithe. You can find this. We don't have the scripture because we're just flying through it, but you can find this in Numbers 18. And this tithe, um, known as the sacred tithe, was given to the Levites and the priests for their service to the temple and the congregation in the Old Testament. So they take 10% of what they had, and then they'd give it to the temple. That's what would happen. So some of what we do here at the church, we say, well, I, I'm supposed to take 10% of what I make and that's been the historic standard and then I'm supposed to give it to the church and then if I do that, then God will be happy with me and I won't feel this guilt anymore and if he's like some of those TV pastors, he might bless me some more. Too much of the church is actually tithing off of guilt Rather or obligation, rather than a pure heart of generosity. And what we want here within us is is a culture and a character within our congregation, in our communities, even West Jefferson. I've been hearing I pick on West Liberty too much and not enough West Jefferson. So West Jefferson family, what's up? (laughs) Go Rough Riders. We want to have such a congregation here, right, that our hearts melted before God, that, that, that we would say, God, if, if I have to give you everything, we know that you're going to provide generosity. So they gave 10% to um, the congregation in the Old Testament. The next tithe is in Deuteronomy 14, and it's the tithe of the feasts. So, Many people would suggest the tithe of the feast was dedicated to the man and the woman, their families themselves, right? It was for a somewhat vacation or a trip that was intended for um, relationship with God, spiritual growth. So you have 10% of your income that's going to, now this is uh, before tithe or before um, taxes, 10% that then's going to go to, And then you get into that argument too, right? 10% that's going to the church. Now you have 10% that's going to this spiritual moment for you, uh, this awakening with God, this spiritual vacation. And then on basically every three years, three and six years, you had the tithe for the poor. And this is in Deuteronomy 14 as well. But the third tithe was um, the tithe for the poor. According to uh, Deuteronomy 14, this tithe was given only every three years. So as the text state, um, the produce was stored up in your towns for the Levite, Sojourner, Fatherless, and the Widow. So we're collecting it for people in need every third year. I think it suggests that the distribution was not left... um, just for the individual, but for it was more of like a community project type thing, um, in which everyone was to contribute. This tithe, therefore, was for your neighbor. It wasn't collected every year. So some of these really smart people, what they ended up doing is they said, let's do all the math, let's add all the days together, and let's figure out what percentage of tithe in the Old Testament was actually required for those who wanted to follow in God's footsteps that number was 23%. Old Testament tithe, if that's where we're basing our tithe, then that number would be 23% based upon the three tithes. And by this point of the sermon, you're thinking, I thought you weren't trying to get into my pocket. Because I've been faithfully giving my 10% or my 5% or my 3% for several years. Could you imagine giving 23% today? That would be a crazy number. Therefore, if the argument, yeah, if the argument is that 10% is what we're supposed to be giving based upon what the Old Testament rule is, if that's our argument, we're supposed to give 10% based upon the Old Testament rule, then maybe the argument, the better argument would be we should actually give 23%. And y'all don't like that, do you? You don't like that idea. But we're not finished yet. If you had to guess, based upon the, uh, Ron and Macy have already guessed, so no guessing. If you had to guess what percentage of born-again believers... um, tithe, what, what percentage of people, born-again believers, of their gross income do they tithe? 20 percent, 30 percent, 0.5 percent, someone throw something out there. What do you, what do you think? Three percent's a good guess. What else? One percent. Did you guys talk to Ron and Macy? That was both there, one percent and three percent. The answer is two percent. The church, born-again Christians, give 2% of their income, which is interesting to me because this is post-Jesus, right? This is blood of Jesus. We now have the opportunity to be personal friends with God. The blood of Jesus pours over our life each day. We are now welcomed into his community as what? Sons and daughters. So, as sons and daughters today, we give 2%. But those who were required to follow a law were willing to give 23%. How does that sit with us as a a church? How does that sit with us as Christians? And what I've realized is this, is um, I guess I want to do this analogy. Ron, we, we come up here real quick and grab that bulletin. So if, if Ron takes this bulletin here, and let's just pr- pretend these are some nice, um, is there a $1,000 bill? Who's on the $1,000? let us just say Ron's on the $1,000. i have never had one. So um, let's just say this is a Hyundai. All right, so, so Ron has this $100 bill. Now, I want you to hold that $100 bill in your hand as tightly as you want. The problem, the problem with us within uh, the American culture is this, is we have our money, and, and don't let go of that, okay? So we have our money, and we hold on to it, and we hold really tightly to it. And even if God wanted to bless us with more, and he's dropping it, no, now, you hold this. We didn't practice. So you're holding this. You're holding this as tight as, as you can. Even if, if, if I try to give Ron more, he can't receive it. Why? Because you're so focused on holding on to the one thing that you have, your possessions. So even if I'm dropping thousands of thousands right now, you can't receive it because you're focused on your money. You can go ahead Thank you. Good job, Ron. (laughs) So my point is this, is our focus within the church, our focus within the way that we've been raised is always about the things that we have in our hands, never about if we're willing to open up our hands that maybe we could receive more. And actually, that's where it gets tricky is we often have this idea that if we release... If we just give more, then we're going to receive more. But it's actually not about what you give, it's about your heart. Where is your heart when you give? So, what are most people trying to do, right? We're trying to make more money. We're trying to, Who's not in here trying to make more money? Or thinks, who in here doesn't think about what they would do with more money? Most of us um, give from what we have left over. You realize that? God, I love you. You're number one in my life. You know Pastor Joey, he's always preaching out of Luke 14 about you must be willing to hate your father, hate your mother, hate your brother, hate your sister. You must be even willing to hate yourself. And he does this thing with his hands where he says, God up here and everything else pales in comparison. God, you're... I can go to my knees and I can say, God, everything else pales in comparison to you, except my money. Because God, I give you what I have left over, rather what I have up front. That's what we do. That when I say we, that's what many of us, as a as a church um, church, would do. Many or much, sorry, much of the church will give their percentage. And then guess what? Not consider being generous the rest of their time as long as they give their percentage because you know what they want to do? Do whatever they want with their money. So you give your percentage and then you say, well, I get my 90% so I can control my 90% however I want. And you know what? I was thinking about that. I'm like, that's not how it works in marriage. Like, it doesn't work that way in marriage. Macy, if I do this, then I get to do whatever else I want to do. It doesn't work that way. Likewise, we are the bride of Christ. And if, if, as we come into, as Christ comes to get his bride, there's still that give and take. There's still that surrender in that holy marriage that says, whatever you want, you can have it. Now, biblically, no, um, it's a sensitive subject, isn't it? I can still sense, um, where are you going to go with this today, Joey? Like, I can really win the room or I can really still lose it. So, um, I'm going to stick to the Bible and let you choose. Um, most people want to store up wealth, don't you? Save for your retirement. Um Save this amount of money, invest here, invest there. Do this, do that, do that, do this, right? Talk to this financial advisor, that financial advisor. We all, or many of us, no, all of us are taught to store up so that when we hit 50, um, that would be a really early retirement, but at least by 70, we can have a couple good years, right? That's what we're taught. But there's actually a parable in the Bible that addresses that right? You have a guy who who has a farm, and he has an abundant year, and after he has this abundant year, what ends up happening is, um, well, what's there to do? He says, well, you know, I'm going to tear down my old barns, and then what I'm going to do is build bigger barns and store all this up, then I'm just going to basically retire. Jesus in that parable didn't seem to like that. So what do we want to do? We want to store up our wealth, But biblically speaking, straight Bible here, not opinions, not what your financial director told you, not what um, your parents taught you, but what the Bible says. Biblically speaking, would I be wrong if I said, sell everything you have and follow Jesus? Give everything away and trust Jesus? Can you find a scripture that would say, Joey, that's stupid? Because I can't. I'm not asking you from the pulpit to do that. But what I am saying is, can biblically speaking, can you find a scripture that would say that you did something wrong if you wasted it all at the feet of Jesus? I don't know of one. Why is it this one resource we hold on to so tightly And money is talked about so much throughout the Bible. You want to know why? Because God knows that money will become your God and it will take his place. Because most of us in this room do better when we're in need of God than when we're not. We pursue him more when we're in need of him than when we're not. And money can be the one thing that can get us to our knees when we got a car payment tomorrow. Money is the one thing that can keep us humble. So biblically speaking, you could give up everything with a pure heart, and I think God would honor that. See, God wants us to live eyes outward, just not eyes inward and storing up riches for ourselves. You think about the scripture where it says, look, Where were you when I was hungry? Where were you when I was thirsty? Where were you when I was in jail? And then you think of other scripture where it says, Look, if you got an extra jacket, give it away. You know, you realize there's going to be people in heaven who actually did that. There will be. And then there's just us, who we have a color jacket for every color of snow in every cloud color, right? And then, and then yeah, there's yellow snow. There's <laughs> acid snow. There's snow that comes from the, the state up north that's really ugly snow. So yes. And then we have shorts for everything, but yet there's people in need. And Jesus says, whatever you do unto the least of these, you've done unto me. And whatever you haven't done unto the least of these, you haven't done unto me. And there's going to be people who don't just get by when they go to heaven. There's actually a congregation of people somewhere, I believe, that's willing to give up everything. When we get to, I feel like the the much of the American church is just getting by. Jesus, I know that you're my savior. I know that I'm a sinner. I know that the blood of Jesus is the only way for me to get to heaven. But when I put my hand on all these jackets and all these coats and all these clothes, and all these things. I want them because they're sentimental to me. I struck a few chords, didn't it? You had those sentimental jackets. And what Jesus wants is you to be able to love him and love other people so much that you're willing to lay those things down to him. God, if I can bring honor to your name, and if I can bring love to another person and meet one of their needs, I will be generous. That's what he wants. He wants us to have a generous heart. He wants us to have eyes outward, not eyes on ourselves. So, in the New Testament, what do we see, right? Almost half the parables relate to money. is talked about in the New Testament more than heaven or hell. Money's talked about more than prayer. Hundreds of verses in the Gospels about money. So what culture did Jesus try to create with his people? But hurry up. The first one, if you're taking notes, which we highly encourage, the first thing that Jesus was trying to create was to give of your first fruits. 1 Corinthians 16, this one should be on the um, screen. 1 Corinthians 16, On the first day of the week, each of you should set aside a sum of money in keeping with your income, saving it up so that when I come, no collection will have to be made. So at the first of the week, set aside a piece of your income. So it didn't say... After I've went to every basketball game this week, after I've went out to Chipotle every day this week, after I've bought 35 cups of coffee this week, then decide what I can set aside. It says, no, first decide at the beginning of the week. So Proverbs 3, 9, wisdom living, right? Right? Honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of your crops. First fruits. First fruits. Tithing is out of our first fruits. Amen? You don't have to like it. I don't have to like it. But tithing is out of our first fruits. Tithing and giving needs to be given Out of what's first and what's not last. Therefore, when making a budget, um, it should be how much do I have to live on after I've set a standard of giving with God? So maybe, as you should be praying with your spouse or uh, if you're still single to God, as you are praying, you say, God, how much money would you like me to give away this year? And maybe he says, I would like for you to give away 30% of your income. Maybe he says that. So then guess what you do? Now you've set the first fruit, the 30% aside, by faith, believing through prayer. That's what he wants you to do. And then you live off the 70%. Now, what gets us trapped as an American culture is we say, I need the latest, I need the greatest, I need the best, I need this, I need this, I need this. And then you end up getting to this point where you say, I can't give 10%. I can't give 30%. And if I give more than 2%, I might not have gas this week. If we are humbled before God and we pursue God with, um, pure hearts and we literally mean that he's the top of everything, then as Christians, we're going to ask him how much we tithe off our first fruits. What percentage is it? So, um, it's not about how much you have left. God gets what, God gets first of whatever you have, right? You see it all throughout the Bible. The law of first is, um, very important. Number two, give tearfully, not under compulsion, um, and then you do it as you are able. Now, don't take justification here. When I say as you are able, I'm not saying, <laughs> if you're giving out of your first, give as you're able. But if you're giving out of your last, then you got to address your heart. And give tearfully, not under compulsion. Um, I'm not sure it's about the percentage, honestly. Um, So Mark 12, 41 through 44. I love this story here. And um, what a great story. I don't see a percentage in this um, story right here. But Jesus sat down opposite the place where the offerings were put and watched the crowd putting their money into the temple treasury. Many rich people threw in large amounts, but a poor widow came and put in two very small copper coins worth only a fraction of a penny calling his disciples to him Jesus said I tell you the truth this poor widow has put more into the treasury than all the others they all gave out their wealth but she they all gave out of their wealth but she gave out of her poverty put in everything all that she had lived on which one meant more to Jesus? The high amounts, the high percentages? And actually she had the higher percentage because she gave it all. What was more to him, a generous heart or a high number? It was important that she was willing to sacrifice whatever she had unto him. That's the standard of generosity in giving that God places within the New Testament church. Be willing to lay everything down. 2 Corinthians 9, verse 7. Each man should give what he has decided in his heart um, to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. Give cheerfully, right? Each man should give what he has decided. So as I do this study, I'm starting to see it's not just about the 10%, but it's really about being a cheerful giver. I begrudgedly do this. It's been easy for Macy and I um, to give what we give and you just kind of get in that pattern and actually uh, we give every other week but what's it's just been easy just to write a check and do it. We've created a standard of living by which we can live and then you just give it and it's actually no sacrifice to God in a sense. I want to be careful saying that but it's just like you do it and you've set the standard of living where unless you lose a job then you're going to be okay. You can almost just give and not even think about the sacrifice in the pure heart that, that it is to give to God and to give in a joyful way. Give it a way that says God this, this is your sacrifice. A A cheerful giver. Number three, um, how much do you give, right? So the book of Acts, there's several scriptures that refer to giving and sacrifice. Here's the standard that we see. MCF 2030, here's what we hope. All the believers were together and had everything in common. All the believers so all of us from West Jefferson to West Liberty to London, Mechanicsburg, Urbana, Springfield, Fountain, all those good areas, Marysville, all the believers, Acts 2, verse 44 through 45, all the believers were together and had everything in common, common selling their possessions and goods. They gave to anyone as they had need. So what was the standard? to sell everything you had and to meet the needs of other people. The standard was to sell everything you had and meet the needs. Acts 4, 34 through 35. There was no needy person among them. For, um, for from time to time, those who owned lands or houses sold them, brought the money from the sales and put them at the apostles' feet. And it was distributed to anyone as he had need. But remember, every coat, every t-shirt, every off-road vehicle, every iPad, Androids, I know they're really cheap, so it doesn't even really matter, but you iPhone users who actually have a good phone, all the Apple products, all this wasted money on Michigan attire, (laughs) Give those things away. Krista, give your Michigan stuff away. (laughs) God bless you. They were willing to get rid of it. Now listen, you're saying... God's not mad at the way I'm living. And I'm not saying he's mad at the way you're living either. But what I am saying is there's going to be people in heaven who I believe have 8,000 square foot houses who decided to sell them and throw them at the feet of Jesus and live for him differently. And we have the choice because we can't outgive God, we can't outsurrender to God. Many of us want our inheritance now when Christ has one for us in heaven. And a generous heart has heaven in mind and the, well, the well-being of the person in front of them in mind rather than them. So I proudly say that these socks are 12 years old that I'm wearing today. <laughs> Just playing. Acts 20, 35. It is more blessed to give than it is to receive. They gave as much as it cost to meet the needs of others. See, in the New Testament, I believe that I can't find a standard percentage that God requires for the church to give. 10 to 23%. Why? Because he actually wants you to lay it all down. God wants you to lay everything down to him. God wants our hearts to trust him. He provides for everything else, doesn't he? The birds, the animals, the grass. How much more does he want to provide for you? Second Corinthians 8, and I'm going to try to go into uh, fast motion here, fast forward just a little bit. Second Corinthians 8, um, 7 through 9. Here Paul is talking to the church in Corinthians, and here's what he says. But since you excel in everything, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in complete earnestness, and in love, um, we have kindled in you, see to that that you also excel in this grace of giving. So you excel in everything else. Now please also excel in the grace of giving. I'm not commanding you, but I want you to test the uh, sincerity of your heart, uh, sorry, of your love, by comparing it with the earnestness of others. I want you to test the sincerity of your heart. I want you to test the sincerity of your heart. And this this is what um, verse 9 says. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor so that you through uh, his poverty might become rich. Jesus set that standard for you and I. That though he was rich, he became poor because you were poor and he wanted you to inherit freedom. Freedom. He wanted you to become rich. And what's the rich alluding to? Eternal life and set free from sin and death. That a perfect being, that the Son of God was willing to die on the cross for your sin. That's the standard that he set. That you have to be willing to give everything for your brother, for your sister, for for the least of these. He became, in a sense, bankrupt. He gave it all. Why? Because he loves us that deeply. And if God can love me that deeply and he can love you that deeply, guess what? He also wants us to love others deeply. So I'm not here to tell you that, that your 1% isn't good, but God has been telling you for a long time whether your 1% is good or not, right? You don't need me to tell you what if your 10% is good or not. God's been telling you for a long time that He wants more of your heart. That He wants you to be willing to lay down everything. So, do we need to tithe? Like, oh, please just tell me no. Please tell me. Lord, please tell me. He's going to say no. Yes, you have to tithe. You do. That's a biblical principle. It's an expression of our love and trust for God. And you know what? He's the one, Scripture, Scripture says this, he's the one who gives you the power to make wealth. He gives and he takes away. Giving to God, giving to, yeah, giving to God helps eternal things. Now, does he need your money? No, he can do whatever he wants. But does he want your heart in such a way that you're not grasping onto your things like this? He does. He wants you like this. This is generosity, right here. Generosity. I had the story. How many of you guys remember Book Fair? You guys remember Book Fair? I loved Book Fair. Man, it was awesome. You went and you wasted your parents' money on books you were only going to look at the pictures on. <laughs> That's it. You felt good going through the line, though, like a boss, like I'm not going to read Goosebumps because you have to read that. So let's get this sports book. So I remember I was in line at book fair acting like I'm all studious and I get my three little 350 books and I get up to line and uh, get up to the cashier, Mrs. Cucumber, I always called her. (laughs) So she's up there and she's taking my money. No, she's taking the person in front of me's money and um, she said, dear, you actually don't have enough money. And uh, he was like, $4.50, sure, it's like second grade math, come on. Like, you don't know how to do simple math? No, it's Mechanicsburg. (laughs) We got a school board member in here right now, so (laughs) we're doing a great job at Mechanicsburg. (laughs) So you know what I said? I'm going to put back my two books. So I took my two books and I put them back and I gave him my money. And a cucumber was like, you sure you want to do that? I said, I want to do it. Generous hearts. Purity, you think of a little Joey, right? A little Joey doing that. If you guys would have saw that, your hearts probably would have been melted, right? You don't see that. Now, why I share that is... (laughs) (laughs) You don't. (laughs) I'm just making it plain. Make it plain, pastor. Point being... If you would have saw this little one being willing to sacrifice something for the well-being of another person, your heart would have melted. Every time us as sons and daughters and little ones are willing with a pure heart to give up something of ours, God loves it and his heart melts. You can't out-give him. So as we we wrap up... um, When God gives you more, it isn't to increase your standard of living, but it's actually, I believe, to increase your standard of giving. We don't give to meet a requirement. We don't give to get or be noticed. We don't give to be loved by God. But we give because God loves us, and we love Him, and we trust Him. So what is a good starting place? Where is a good place to continue Give because you believe in God's goodness and out of a desire to serve His purpose and advance His kingdom. Give out of what you have first, not what you have left over. Be consistent. You can't outgive God. Be glad about giving. Be willing to lay everything down and pray this week and ask God for an amount that you're supposed to give over the next year. What percentage, God, will I give? 2 Corinthians 9, 6-7 says this. Now, this I say, that he who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and he who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. In my life, I have seen that the more I'm willing to let go of, that the more that just keeps on coming through right? It just keeps on coming through. You guys have heard the story. There was a time where I felt like God wanted me to give away $400 on my last $500, and I gave that away, wrote a note to a family, um, gave it to someone else to give them the money because I didn't want recognized for it. Needed money the next day. The next day after um, giving away that $400, I received a random check for $1,000, now, I didn't do it because I thought God was an ATM. I did it because I wanted the well-being of that person. I knew that God would provide for me. Why? Because he, he provides for these squirrels that all they do is make messes. <laughs> he provides for the possums and the skunks. And I don't smell like a skunk, t- contrary to the belief. So what I want to do is, uh, if the ushers are ready, we want to take our tithe and offering today. But what I also want to do is um, I want to challenge you to ask God this week about giving out of your first and being generous. Amen? Let's pray. Father, uh, help us be melted at your feet. Help us lay down our lives to give to you first. Bless, uh, just bless the money, Father, um, that comes in and through this church. And may we uh, not feel guilty about what we're not giving or guilty about giving too much, Father, whatever it may be. May we just be surrendered to you. In Jesus' name, amen.